Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. Welcome back to Just Say the Word. I know we've had some really incredible guests over the past couple of weeks, but I'm coming at you today with a solo episode just because I have a story that I want to share. Um, But don't worry, because I've got some really fun and inspiring special guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. So this is the only time you're going to hear from just me for a little while. But I hope you find today's story as funny as I do but I do tend to find humor in even the smallest things, so we'll see. In 2011, my husband and I moved into a rental house in Bellevue, Washington, which is just across the water from Seattle. We ended up staying there for five years before buying our own home in 2016. When we first moved into that rental, we knew we were going to be there, or at least we hoped we'd be there, until we were ready to buy. So unlike other places we'd rented, which were all apartments, we really wanted to make this place feel like home. And we had a great landlord, so he said we could paint, hang pictures, and basically do whatever we wanted. So I bought these IKEA shelves, the kind that look like floating shelves, and I wanted to put them up in the living room. They were a light color wood, like pine, so I spent some time staining them so they'd be a nice, rich, dark color, and then I set them aside to dry until we had our accent wall painted, and that's where we were going to install those shelves. Now, when I was ready to hang my shelves, which was probably a few weeks later because I am a procrastinator like that, I couldn't find them. I searched high and low for these shelves, but nothing. I just couldn't believe it because how in the hell do you lose full-on boards? It's not like a key or one of your favorite socks. Which, serious side note, where do socks actually go? Because they do disappear, never to be seen again. I'm talking like three one by six boards, so they're pretty good sized. Of course, after a while we gave up, exasperated and confused, but every once in a while, when I was looking at that painted accent wall, I'd rack my brain again and go on a hunt for those boards. Over the course of the five years we lived in that house, I never did get replacement shelves for that wall because I'm stubborn and I knew those floating shelves couldn't have just disappeared into thin air. Yet in the five years that we'd lived there, they never turned up. When we bought our house and started packing up to move, my husband handled packing the guest room. Now the rental was an older home, which means the rooms were pretty small and so were the closets. My husband and I are both clothes and shoes people, meaning we don't have capsule wardrobes. For clothing and apparel overflow, the guest room doubled as a place for us to keep jackets and shoes and things like that. You know, the catch-all room. Anyway, one day I came home and my husband had completely packed the guest room. He took me in to show me that he'd taken care of everything, and as I opened the door, I noticed this set of floor-to-ceiling shelves he'd built for his shoes. I remember the day he built those shelves. It was shortly after we'd moved in because he was so proud of them. 
he brought me back to show me all of his sneakers put away all nice and tidy. And at the time, I was impressed. They took up very little space and provided great storage. I think you might see where this story's going. What I noticed when all his shoes were packed up in boxes and no longer sitting on those shelves is that three of the boards used to build those shoe shelves were, in fact, the floating shelves that had gone missing five years prior. I couldn't believe my eyes, but more importantly, I couldn't believe my brain. I'd walked past these shelves every single day for nearly five years. Like I said, we had clothing in that room, so I'd have to go back there and pick out what I was going to wear pretty much every day. And these shelves were placed on the wall three feet in front of your face when you opened that bedroom door. I passed by them, I looked at them, and yet I never saw those boards. Even when my husband first showed me his handiwork, I didn't put two and two together. My eyes saw them, but my brain didn't register what they were. You might be thinking that I'm not a very observant person, or that this wouldn't happen to you. But I'm actually a super observant person, and I usually notice the smallest of details, even when something's been moved ever so slightly out of its place. But here's why I didn't see those boards. Context. When you take something out of context, or you put it into a new context, that thing can take on a whole different meaning or appearance. I'm going to give you some examples, but let's define this word first. Context, the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea, and in terms of which it can be fully understood and assessed. Also, the parts of something written or spoken that immediately precede and follow a word or passage and clarify its meaning. Now, this one's a little more wordy and in-depth than some of our other definitions, so let's dig in. When you think about these boards existing alongside the brackets that they came with to put them on the wall, they're clearly floating shelves meant to be installed somewhere. With those brackets, they exist in a particular context. Of course, after I stained these boards, they were set aside and they weren't packaged up with their brackets. Out of context, they just look like pieces of scrap wood. It's important to note here that my husband did not realize he was using my floating shelves, and he didn't intentionally deceive me for five years. He even helped me search for my missing shelves several times. Both of us were equally surprised to learn that he'd built his shoe shelves out of my floating shelves, and it's still something we laugh about to this day. Now, on the flip side of that, why I didn't recognize my floating shelves when I literally walked past them every single day is because once they became part of a bigger set of shelves, they existed in another framework. Their context changed. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined my floating shelves being repurposed into a different set of shelves. The context was such that I did not recognize them. I still think this is hilarious, and when I thought about this story the other day and I told my husband I was going to create a podcast episode around it, he immediately put his face in his hands and we were cracking up laughing again. It will never get old. But the interesting thing about this concept is that we can apply it to other parts of our lives and businesses. 
Surprise, that's the whole premise of this podcast, right? So I'm going to use an extremish example first just to lay the groundwork. If you saw someone behaving very oddly in the workplace in the middle of a Wednesday, say they were stumbling and their speech was incoherent or slurred, you would likely notice that something was wrong, that something was going on. Either they're drunk or they're having a stroke or something like that. Now imagine that same person behaving in the same way at the end of a holiday party. It doesn't really stand out, unless they're being super obnoxious, of course. You'd probably just assume they were drunk. The context matters in terms of how we see something, how it stands out or blends in, how it's perceived. And of course, I've talked about how interesting it is that words can have negative or positive associations, right? And the interesting thing about context is that it can be helpful or it can be a hindrance. In the example I just shared, what if we assume our good old office pal Jerry is just drunk at the holiday party when in fact he really is having a stroke? Can you see how this might be a dangerous situation for Jerry? And with the shelves, which is not nearly as dramatic, but again, the context made it so that I wasn't able to see what was really there, what was right in front of my face underneath all those sneakers. I'm just giving my husband a hard time because he can't defend himself. I have just as many shoes. So let's look at this in a business context or more specifically in a marketing message context. If you read someone's social media post that just said, buy my program, this is what you need, the deadline for the discount is tomorrow, how would that land with you? I can tell you, because I read a lot of social media posts that are just constantly doing nothing more than blatantly selling, that's not a very effective approach. At best, it's perceived as a poor attempt at sales. At worst, it comes across as pushy. And scratch that, even worse, it's so bland and boring that people don't even bother reading the whole post. On the other hand, consider content that tells a story with a resolution or a lesson. And that resolution was the result of the product or service that you offer. This is how you can make sales without pushing. You couch the sales pitch within content that serves a bigger purpose, like being helpful or even entertaining. This is a lot more compelling and a lot more effective than the boring old contact me now sales pitch. Both kinds of posts have the same end goal, to sell. But the context in which the sales piece occurs is completely different in each case. Here's another example of the importance of context in marketing, and it's something you'd be wise to keep in mind. When you create and share content, Who are you talking to and where are you showing up? If your content is being posted in the wrong place and is speaking to the wrong audience, it's going to be viewed as irrelevant and yes, even annoying. But when you speak to the right audience and show up in front of them, well, those people will view it as exactly the message they needed and wanted to hear at that very moment. This is a game changer for your brand and your sales. This may sound obvious to a lot of you, but you'd be surprised just how many people blast out content 
anywhere and everywhere without a very specific buyer in mind. How many direct messages do you receive on Instagram and Facebook where the person pitching you clearly hasn't done any research into who you are, what you do, or what your interests are? Because I get a lot, and I know a lot of my entrepreneur friends do too. A fellow business coach, who I won't name because I didn't get her permission beforehand to share this story, told me that she receives pitches for help losing weight fast, but she only weighs about 110 pounds, and it's very clear in her photos that she's a teeny tiny person already. Now, I don't endorse dropping into anyone's DMs with a cold sales pitch, and I especially don't endorse it if it involves telling people what they quote-unquote should change about their bodies. But if you are going to do a cold sales pitch, at least get the context right. Speak to your target audience. And this isn't just in the DMs. If you've curated a particular group of friends or connections on your social media channels, for instance, on your personal Facebook profile, you have to think about them when you're sharing content. If they aren't your ideal audience, that is, they're probably not going to buy anything from you, you need to do a couple of things to get the context right. Number one, go where the right people are already hanging out. Maybe that's in a Facebook group. Maybe that's on Instagram where you can use hashtags to reach a broader audience. You get the idea. Number two, if you like the idea of using your personal Facebook page to make sales, then start making connections with more of the kinds of people who do fit your ideal client or customer profile. Then when you share content, you really are speaking to them. And there's another option, option number three, you can leverage people outside of your target audience by tailoring your message to them. For example, if they are not your end buyer, maybe they can still refer you to someone who is. So instead of wasting your time creating promotional content that your current connections don't resonate with, you communicate your message in such a way that you're not selling to them, but you're asking them for help to get you in front of the right people, the people who do need what you have to offer. I see people doing this successfully, especially when they first start a business. They understand who's in their current network and they know those people are not their buyers, but they also understand the power of firsthand recommendations. So don't be afraid to talk about what you do, but make sure that you're talking about it in a way that makes sense for that particular situation or context. When I see people struggling to make sales and they're exasperated and can't figure out what they're doing wrong, it often comes down to context. It's not necessarily that your messaging is poorly communicated, though it very well could be that too. It's more likely that it's not targeted. You're not talking to the right people or you're posting in all the wrong places. When it comes to marketing, context matters in a big way. And when it comes to cohabitating with a handyman, apparently it matters there too. Now, whenever my husband picks up a hammer, I make sure to ask him what materials he's using and where he's sourced them 
lest I waste another five years hunting for my precious home decor. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.candidlyerin.com or justsaythewordpodcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at candidlyerin and make sure to use the hashtag justsaytheword in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.